Okay, and we're live from uh, HMS Scandamaniac. Coming here, Rylan Johnson. I'm here with uh, Jelaine Debogorski today. Um, first thing, we're going to record a very official intro for this uh, podcast. Uh, Jelaine, can you do us the honor of uh, ringing the ship's bell to start us off? Oh yeah, that's hitting the levels just fine. There we go. I think I'll start every podcast like that. Uh, before we begin here uh, with our guest, Jelaine Debogorski, I'm just going to introduce myself. I'm Rylan Johnson. I'm presently broadcasting live from the shores of Great Slave Lake in a boat called the HMS Scandamaniac. Uh, it's a frozen lake. I am also here today to kind of release my first podcast. And the reason I did this was largely because of another podcast I'm working on called Northern Minds. And I've just found that the long-form conversation is really the best way to express yourself and kind of... Uh, also get to know another person. I think I've spent a lot of time writing my thoughts in a journal and whatnot, and kind of even on the internet exploring writing them, but some of the nuance and the back and forth you get with a person, you just A, get to know them a lot better, and, uh, well, you get to just kind of be a little bit more real. So that's my intention today with releasing the first episode of uh, Live from Scandamaniac on the shores of Great Slave Lake. Awesome. And that makes uh, sense. without further ado... Uh, Jelaine Devogorski, welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> as a little introduction, Jelaine Devogorski is one of my besties, one of my great Yellowknife friends. Woo-hoo. Really, I the social knitter, Jelaine Devogorski, AKA. <laughs> aka the social knitter. I owe most of my Yellowknife life to her and her amazing connections and friends and ability to kind of, you know, bring people together. And I think it's very appropriate that you're the first guest on the HMS Scandamaniac podcast. It is an honor. Um, so, Jelaine, I think maybe you, we've been friends for a few years, but perhaps I'd like you to begin with, if you could kind of just tell me about yourself, you know, where you're at in Yellowknife, how, how, how you grew up here, just a little bit about your family and what you do now, you know, kind of walk us through your life and... Five minutes. <laughs> okay, that's a that's a loaded one there. Um, okay, well, uh, born and raised in Yellowknife. I'm one of 11 children of the Debogorski household. Uh, I am number eight. Uh, I have seven brothers and three sisters and two parents that are surprisingly still married. <laughs> but, you know, Catholicism, so yeah. there's that. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up here and I went away to school. Uh, I did my first year... Uh, in Nanaimo and then I went to uh, Calgary and considered myself a city girl for a couple years there oh. and uh, then when I moved back after doing four and a half years of schooling where I got a Bachelor of Arts in Criminal Justice and promptly decided to not follow that as a career <laughs> choice um, but I came back and I had a torn ACL and I had to get my, my knee repaired and it was December and I'm already kind of bummed about having to leave the city. And then I get this uh, surgery and I'm stuck in a bed for like um, a month, not being able to really do anything, uh, taking some pretty heavy Percocets, not having pooped in five days. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the depression was mounting. And uh, so it was a bit of a hard comeback to come back to town and, and be totally incapacitated. But, you know, after five days, I did poop. And um, things started to turn around. Wow, that must have been a really big release. (laughs) Figuratively and physically. There was was a light at the end of the tunnel. And (laughs) (laughs) um, and, uh, after I kind of rehabbed my knee a bit, I I started to substitute teach. 
um, and just having that routine uh, was really great. And um, I kind of uh, discovered that in returning home, I had to uh, kind of re-identify myself with um, being in Yellowknife um, and figure out, okay, I'm here and I'm here because I need to pay off my student loans. Uh, you're, it's so, it's so easy to come back and like, if you, if your student loans aren't too bad, like you could pay off your student loans in probably like four years, you know, like I think my student loans were about $25,000 and I've just paid them off and I've been back home. Wow, for, congratulations yeah. on being, yeah. having zero dollars. Thank finally. you. Yeah. I'm about to rack up the <laughs> last year. You positive in the, yeah. In the yeah. green. Yeah. For once in my life. But, uh, it just makes sense to come home and you, you don't even have to work. You just have to live here for your loans to start remissing. Um, so they slowly take One money of the off. Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're a true northerner, yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I was like, all right, I got to be here. So how am I going to make it enjoyable? How, how am I going to uh, like it? And I kind of found that I had to um, step outside my comfort level and kind of start to go to events by myself. Because a lot of my friends who I grew up with here, they, they weren't really into the same things that I was. And uh, after having been in Calgary, I got really into arts and music and like live music and, and just you know, different forms of creative expression. And, uh, so I started going out to local arts events and a lot of, a lot of the time I went solo and, uh, slowly but surely that, uh, demographic started to become my peers and I became familiar with more people in the art scene. And I just more eager to, uh, to get involved and to start to have, uh, play a role in some of the positive creative things that were happening in my community. Um, and then inevitably I did after, after, I don't know how long I had been back for, but, uh, yeah. So like, I think I've known you, God, I can't coming up on four years ago, whereabouts in that timeline. Like I don't remember any of this ACL stuff, but so you, you heal up from that and then Mm -hmm. you have this bachelor of arts (laughs) making this about me. How long until you meet Rylan Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So December, 2014. I think was when I graduated. Oh, okay. So when did you get here? What year was it? No, uh, it would have been 2015. Okay, so we met in October, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, really? Fuck. Oh, uh, I don't know. Have we established whether <laughs> or not we can swear? Right, you can swear as much as you fucking want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if anyone's going to listen to this. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it must have been just, like, soon after that I was, like, rehabbed, because we met on the dance floor at, uh, the Gold Range, and I don't know if I had a knee brace. Do you remember if I had a knee brace or not? Mm, don't remember a knee brace. I don't think so. I don't know if I'd even remember things yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, no, you probably weren't paying attention. But no, I think you must have met me when I had, like, a fresh new rehabbed knee, and, uh, yeah, that's where our love affair started. Yeah, that... What's neat about your story is that it's similar to a lot of us kind of Yellowknife transplants and that we come up here and we like get involved in the art scene and we like find this new identity and you know we just kind of create this new identity for ourselves but yours is different in that you come up here and especially having how many siblings? 10. Having 10 siblings and having growing up here and not only 10 siblings but like the Demogorskis like your dad's the ice road trucker like you're not walking, you're walking into an identity. Right. And then have to like, be like, no, I'm going to go create my own as well. Not yeah. the predetermined one. Yeah. I haven't been here in four years. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, like, 
very similar to what a lot of us other yellow knives yellow knifers do who come up but we don't have that baggage we just right. like no one knows what i was like in summerland i can be whoever i want when mm-hmm. i come up here it's an added layer added challenge uh kind of like yeah like who am i now that i'm not some punk kid in high school who who's you know been born and raised here and is just like aching to get out so i i got out and it was awesome and i kind of thought that calgary was going to be my new home like i was going to figure out a way to get back after a couple of years of you know making some money going to travel for a bit and then and figure out how to make it in in calgary but i ended up um landing after i subbed for a little while um i ended up landing a job with the government a two-year in arts internship with uh uh with the government and uh and yeah that's part of the northern internship program so a lot of yeah northerners come back here that's and right. just walk into a cushy government job totally you know? and <laughs> like making the most money i have ever in my life um and i'm st- i still have some savings from that time which is great like um but that like th- uh i had no real experience in the arts and I remember two of the intern positions that I really wanted one was uh, a sports one like a sports and rec one with Maca. Oh wow I didn't <laughs> and and I, I I'm a dabbler I'm a jack of all trades like when I was going through elementary middle school high school I, I played all the sports I mean I'm mediocre at most things you know you know mediocre or below I'm, I'm not awesome at anything but so that was my pitch was like i've played sports in the north for a long time i work with like i love working with youth that kind of thing didn't get that one and the other one was this arts position and don't really have that much experience with arts but i got the arts award in grade 12 because <laughs> uh i was probably one of the few that attended and i got the highest mark which i think was like a 89 or like a 92 or something and i got 100 bucks from an architecture firm so that's my claim to fame um but uh where were we going with that uh oh yeah so i got this internship and it threw me into uh working in the arts industry um you know in a government role so it's much different like probably complete opposite as to where i'm at right now but um it was awesome like i got to uh take photos and uh do interviews with uh northern artists and learn about who they are and why they create art and why it's important to them and their community. And I learned how to do in-studio photography. Um, So I got to take pictures of them and their art and I filled the website with content and it was great. Like I learned, uh, I learned so many people like just different types of art that's out there around the North and connected with so many different artists and like was able to, to help them in some form or another, but there's so much red tape with government. Right. (laughs) That's for sure. So I learned that I, I was passionate about the arts and I really liked it. But then I also learned the limitation of, of being in the government and as great and as cushy as it is, I was uh, I was eager to break the golden handcuffs. So when my two year internship came to an end, as amazing as my time was, it was like, OK, I think I'm done for the government for a little while. I don't know if I'll ever go back to government. Who knows? But um, and then soon after, actually, right before I left, uh, started a local arts organization that you're aware of with uh, Sebastian Letourneau called uh, the NWT Creative Collective. And, uh, you know, and we had and we created a board and that must have been uh, four years ago, three, four years ago. I think we're only official for three years, but we were doing programming before we were ever an official nonprofit. Sorry, I feel like I just talked for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we got basically your life story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Summarized quickly and neatly. No, yeah. it was very concise. I liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, the Creative Collective is one of those really interesting things because it's 
it's kind of like it represents so much about what you can do in Yellowknife in that any major city you went to would would have arts organizations and would have multiple of them and would have something very similar to the Creative Collective or even like, you know, just the but in Yellowknife, like that if that doesn't exist, the only option is then to like just create it. And that's so actually it's hilarious how it's actually obtainable to just like yeah i you're just like 25 years old and you start an ngo and it's yeah. like okay yeah no problem and then you know before you know it you're like putting on events and workshops and it's just like it to me the creative collective and the people i kind of know through it are this like representative of this this like availability to ye to yellow knife like what you want to do if you just chat with some people we're like yeah sure let's get it done you know yeah and uh, that's one of my favorite parts about the Creative Collective is it kind of has this just like anarchist spirit to it or whatever. This just like free spirit of like, hey, you want to put an event on? And someone's like, yeah, sure, I'll help you with it. You yeah, know? yeah. And before you know it, you have like a hundred people rallying to help. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things about Yellowknife and kind of uh, like uh, I consider myself a Yellowknife ambassador. So I'm pitching Yellowknife to people any chance <laughs> I get, you know, my first suggestion is Snowcastle in March and we got Folk on the Rocks and so on and so forth. But uh, um, one of my best pitches is that like, really, like, you can kind of do anything you want in Yellowknife as far as, like, creating something. Like, uh, if there are lots of different organizations and, you know, they're, they're, you know, in the nonprofit world, there is issues around, like, splintering when yeah. there's too many organizations that are doing the same thing. Of course, um, of course. But that exists everywhere. For sure. Um, and, and I think that we deal with a pretty niche area of, like, um, uh new and emerging artists or just the idea of like catering to the creative spirit and people and when we started it was just about like hey you don't identify as an artist but you like to make things like <laughs> yeah yeah you want to make things someplace sometime and it, it's that's kind of how it started it was just like let's all get together and paint or like someone here knows how to dj do someone else want to learn how to do some basic twisty knobby things and <laughs> and it kind of grew from there but yeah i think uh being here uh if something doesn't exist that you want to do you really have the ability to create it and 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 the community that's going to hear about it and be like yeah that sounds cool i'll help you yeah like what do you need like let's make plans next week let's start like even with this podcast it's just like okay so we're gonna do the thing you know yeah, exactly. like you you literally wrote in a group chat earlier today <laughs> of like hey i want to do this thing message me if you're interested and two seconds later it was like yeah me and you're like okay come over yeah, and no, no. here we are. <laughs> in the matter of like two hours. I'm going to throw it up probably by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure two of our friends will have listened to it, you know? <laughs> um, Insta Yellowknife famous. That's yeah, exactly. Hashtag Yellowknife famous. That's a thing. Exactly. Well, and I remember uh, my friend Mark Rendell saying like when I first got to Yellowknife that like Yellowknife is very much a town of amateurs, which is, and it's not like an insult. He's not meaning that as an insult. It's like if you want to like get in a play, it's like. The theater people are like, yes, we want people. Or like, if you want to start a band, they're like, a lot of the venues are like, yeah, we're open to having people play. It's just like very accessible. You just, um, you, and you, you have to be a, t a certain type of person where like, you have to be able to do things for yourself because a lot of the times other people aren't going to do them for you. And like, because we are so uh, northern and isolated, there, we have a limit as to like what is available to us. So it's a matter of like, 
sometimes like you know like we think about uh raves or like electronic music like it's not super available and then you have a, a venue like the the snow castle and then once a year this massive venue opens up that holds about 250 people and that's the biggest venue other than like mac which is a sit-down yeah, theater, yeah. you know? And then all of a sudden you can get, you know, you can have a rave or you can have like a big show that's like, um, you know, brings in a decent revenue. A lot of people are having a good time as opposed to regularly our shows are about 100 people shows. And it's limited. Your audience is limited, but... Yeah, I mean, the Snowcastle is like, it's a living testament to that kind of like, you can just do whatever you want in Yellow Nights. <laughs> you can build a castle on the frozen lake and then start holding a festival. And then 25 years later, it's like an international festival. Man, you, know? you got to get the Snow King in here for, <laughs> yeah. for podcast number two. Exactly. <laughs> we'll have uh, the, the, the yeah, fem, uh, YK Famous uh, series. Exactly. That, I'll well, get your dad on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he'd love that. <laughs> Um, and then I'll just go around the bay interviewing other houseboaters because they all got random schemes about something. Right, yeah. I mean, the whole houseboater thing I is, is just so interesting. Like, I still don't fully understand it and how it's a thing, but, like, I think it's great to, like, get you start getting those old, old towners talking, old houseboaters, and, like, the whole politics of everything. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting also because... Like, I don't really think it exists anywhere else that there's just... Like, I mean, if you go to Victoria or Vancouver, there are, like, houseboat things, but they're, like, very formalized, and a developer, like, saw some value, and, like, you know, land was so expensive, so yeah. we started putting... But I don't... The reasoning in Yellowknife is kind of odd in itself, that, like, everyone... And, like, more and more are getting built, and people are liking it, and it's, yeah. like... It's not necessarily easier. <laughs> it's no, <laughs> you know, and it may be cheaper than buying land in Yellowknife, which is expensive. But it like way it, sketchier. And yeah, like, like your house can sink or burn down, and no one's going to insure it, and no. you can't mortgage it, and it's just like. And you might spend like fifty thousand dollars plus on this beautiful houseboat, and then, you know, there are stories of like people building, spending thousands, like tens of thousands of dollars on like a little beautiful houseboat, and then within a year burning down like some accident you know it's it's so sketchy like, people always ask me like would you ever live in a houseboat and i i mean right right now i would say no but you know maybe someday in the future if i became a lot more ad, like i'm a pretty adventurous person but like i it's a very romanticized concept i think for a, a lot of people that uh, have never truly experienced or understand like the amount of work that goes into having to haul your own piss and shit like a pretty considerable distance depending on the season you know and I, I spilt a bucket of piss all over myself the other day and it I had this blue like anti thing so it was blue piss that was visible and I don't have running water so like uh, here I am covered in piss in this boat and it's minus 40 and I can't have a shower I have to like walk outside with frozen that piss freezes instantly on me and like go have a shower and there's this blue residue as I go where into did the you shower the you... racket club that's where I go shower and it's just like I come into the gym and there's all these sporty people and here I am smelling like piss like I tried to like rubbing alcohol it off but it's like I you need to have a shower after oh that. man and it's like I wanted to go to bed I didn't want to walk to the racket club so covered then, in piss oh man yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly that's one of the many stories and i think like for me like my life is chaotic enough that like 
chaotic and busy and constantly multitasking things and like what whatever I'm working on is just chaos and then I need to have that stability that rock that end of the day where I can go somewhere that's not gonna sink you know like we, normal regular on land houses have their own risks of fire and flooding and thunder or whatever <laughs> well not thunder but lightning maybe <laughs> <laughs> You're a but, dog, it's scary. But you know, then you have the added risk of being on 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 the water, like drowning, you know, I'm not a strong paddler and like there's been nights partying with houseboaters on land that you're like they're like, Alright, heading home. I'm like <laughs> you should not go. But people do it and most people are okay. I don't think anyone's died yet, but you know, it's 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 a lot more work than I think most people uh, understand, but I think that's what makes the houseboat community so friggin' cool. And I just really like having friends that are houseboaters yeah. because <laughs> it's like having children. Like I want to give them back. It's like you know I want to go hang out and party in your houseboat, but then I want to leave after. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I like the way you framed it in risk because I think a lot of the kind of reason I like Yellowknife and is because it's people are not, they're more willing to take risks. Like, first off, especially if you're, like, a southern transplant, moving to Yellowknife was a risk. Because mm -hmm. you've never, no one's ever been here before. They just know it's cold. They know nothing about it. Most of us come up assuming there's no real community. The here. final frontier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we get here and have no idea what to expect. Yeah. And then even for, like, the people who've grown up here, and it's like, you must just have something different in the way you see the world to, like, mm. do 70 winters up here in a row. Like, you know? <laughs> it's like, that in itself is a huge risk. It's like, it's true. either you're gonna get depressed eventually. Like, you yeah. know, if one of those 70 winters is gonna be real <laughs> bad, like, and you're gonna question why you live here. Yeah. And then you continue to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, I think a survival mechanism, and, and this is uh, coming from a place of privilege, obviously, but if you can afford to, if you are in a position to, uh, highly recommend leaving, <laughs> leaving the territory at least twice a year, uh, hopefully during the colder months, you know, like maybe schedule both of those in the, in the winter months. Cause it is, it is really hard. And, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, I, my perspective is just like, I'm just used to it. It's, it's, it's normal. There are some days like this winter, it's kind of been like, summer's a thing like oh yeah we get that at some point like we were uh, partying in a friend's house uh, the other day and he had this beautiful picture of the bay at um uh, uh breakup there's yeah, freeze yeah. up there's breakup right these are these are houseboater terms or people people who use the the ice road or whatever and so breakup is when it gets uh warm and the ice starts breaking up and you can no longer drive on it and it was that like little reminder of like oh yeah like that's going to happen eventually, thank God, because you get into the depths of winter and you start to think, like, I guess this is just forever now. But, uh, yeah, getting out of town um, a couple times a year is, is and at, at specific times, like January, February is huge. Um, if you can get out of town right at the end of summer when it starts to get um, really cold here, if you go in, like, kind of October, you go, down, so you go to Edmonton, you go to Calgary, and it's, like, blazing <laughs> summer. Like, it's still summer. But here it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's winter is right around the corner, right? Yeah, that's such a yellow knife thing, your vacation to Edmonton, Calgary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I just had a friend visiting from Inuvik, and it was really funny because it's like 
it becomes this competition of how north you go. But she was really excited coming to Yellowknife for uh, the southern food. Like, you know, her getting to eat all our restaurants. And she's, like, excited to go to Boston Pizza because mm-hmm. that, for her, is southern food. Yeah. And then for, you know, us, it's like, Edmonton! We're so excited for Edmonton! Yeah, I have it's a friend just... uh, who comes up from northern Norman Wells and, like, he just eats McDonald's the whole time he's <laughs> yeah. here. Like, he's just like, McDonald's! I'm like, you know, there's a lot of, like, other great rec- restaurants not interested. Just, like, McDonald's for three days, three meals a day. Yeah, I mean, they put some sort of chemicals in that. I mean, I understand that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> It's an addiction, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah okay, so the other thing I kind of wanted to discuss with you today is just um, a bit about our relationship. I think the, the way I've foreseen this podcast being is a way for me to reconnect with people in my life and make connections in the community and kind of just talk about... Uh, Things that, I don't know, I think there's, like I was saying, there's something about this long-form conversation where you are forcing a conversation and you're kind of aware that it's being listened to and you're kind of aware that you have to be entertaining, that you don't create these silences or you kind of, like, fill the gap. And I Mm -hmm. think it sometimes it leads to at least a better conversation and it's something I think we've kind of lost in our culture. I imagine, I, I have no, I, you know, no sociological understanding of this, but I imagine that, like, really long conversations back in the day, like, were just far more common. Like, you know, if there's no television, there's no internet, you barely, most people don't know how to read, like, you just sit around a fire and someone story tells, and then you talk, and there's just, like, hours of conversing is a completely normal human experience. Mm. And I think even especially, like, I can imagine, you know, if you're around the fire, it's hours of conversing with the goal of it kind of being entertaining for everyone and interactive. Mm-hmm. And I like, that's something that we just rarely have, you know, mm-hmm. especially because like, if you're in a bar these days, it's like, sometimes you get that perfect pub talk where it's like, everyone's telling stories and they're sharing. And it's like, you know, it could be on radio. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times today, you just like, if the conversation's not like engaging you really, you don't like f- try to make it better. You just go on your phone or you step out or like, you know, And I think a lot of the times we only converse like intimately with like our partners and our siblings and we don't really have that level of intimate conversation with, uh, you know, strangers. And I think journalists have a benefit or podcasters have a benefit of like sitting across from someone for Mm -hmm. two hours and like talking to them is, you know, it's a deeply intimate experience that is rarer and rarer these days. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, because, like, we haven't really hung out in a while, right? Like, recently, I mean, we hung out on Friday for a bit. You came over for dinner, and Jake came over for dinner. Um, and then I threatened your life and told you it was on <laughs> you to book a one-on-one. And then this this occasion happened, so that's perfect. But, like, before that, I I don't know the last time we hung out. It's probably been a couple months of, like, actually conversing and not just... See- well, like, you came over... In December, but, you know, a party, you see each other in passing. and Yeah, and that's the other thing I was going to say. I think the standard for, like, conversing with people is, like, a party, which is, like, everyone's drinking alcohol. Usually you're in the kitchen bullshitting, but it's, like, there's often people there you don't know, and the conversation is just kind of at a shallow level. Yeah, Which is, like, fine, and it's, like, obviously there's a reason that exists, and it's fun, but it's, like... For people like you who, like, you know, when I first moved to Yellowknife, like, we hung out, like, every day for, like, at least a year. Like, just, like, you know, completely on this other level of just doing things all the time and this comfortability. And then, like, 
for that not to happen for a period and then to see you at a party it's like well you can't get there at a party you yeah can't, like you know it's just like hey good to see you and you have this kind of superficial conversation because it's just not the setting for that yeah you want to know how each other's doing but it's like am i really gonna get into it with you <laughs> at this like public setting of like the fact that I was like crying in my car earlier or like, you know, and sometimes you do like I like I have been practicing like really honest conversation and like, you know, uh, and I think there's uh, a beauty and a realness and a rawness to that. And I think a lot of people uh, aren't aren't ready almost. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, I admire that that this is something that you've kind of come up with as a, as a way to reconnect with people. So I guess uh, I'm just gonna have to force myself onto your podcast every time I want. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because this is clearly time. This is clearly not also really a private setting. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm recording it and putting it on the internet. Yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah. But um, no, and I'm I'm also notorious for kind of if I go to a party, a lot of the times I end up like you know in the corner one on one with someone, or you end up in one of the bedrooms just like chatting and like creating a more intimate breakaway right. space you know because sometimes it's just like i don't want to have 40 like superficial conversations and when you go to a yellow knife party especially it's like i know 120 people here i can have 120 20 second conversations but that's like and the same exhausting. questions are being you know like the the yeah the surface level questions of like what have you been up to how's it going blah 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 and you have that conversation so many times i think it's uh it's nice to start developing your own social tools, uh, something that I, I recently started doing just uh, on Friday when we were hanging out uh, that day. Any person that I talked to on Facebook, texting whoever, I was just like, what have been your peaks and valleys of the week? You know, it's a yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then this is an opportunity for an authentic conversation. And as authentic as you choose, it could be something as shallow as oh, I dropped my coffee and that was a valley and a peak was... I got to pet a dog or you could really get into it and be like, yeah, like I had this tough conversation at work and, you know, someone at, like a little girl at school drew me a picture and it was really great, you know, something like that. But, uh, but yeah, I think, and for people throwing parties in Yellowknife and anywhere else, I think it's really important to have that quiet space available to your <laughs> attendees because, you know, there's introverts extroverts whatever uh social anxiety is a thing and um otherwise those people either a won't come or b they will come and they will promptly leave because oh there's a ski doer um but like if you have a space that's like a chill zone where people can go and it's a little bit quieter and there's those more intimate spaces that's going to be more uh just just a better time for everyone involved yeah definitely and i think some of my best nights i've been in like you know, there's like a side room where there's like, you know, some comfy cushions and there's people sitting and like someone's just like decides to like read a book aloud or something. And it's just yeah. like, you know, I think a lot of us I grow up partying like in high school and high school's just kind of shitty for like you get kind of punished for stepping out of the box too much or mm. being too weird. But then you, it's like now I become an adult and it's like. I completely believe in curating a space for what I want to get out of it, you yeah. know? It's like, why do I have to be stuck on stock model party of red solo cup excessive drinking, mm -hmm, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, I can have parties and, like, maybe we're all going to talk about our peaks and valleys of the week, Right, you know? we're going to talk about our feelings. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be a feelings party. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, because uh, at my birthday party, I made a feelings wall. 
And just because I, le- I, I want to know people's authentic feelings and sometimes people aren't in a space to, to, to talk about it, especially at a party. So the idea with the feelings wall was like, tell me honestly how you're feeling. Nobody's going to know that you wrote it. They might see you post up there, maybe not. But it was great because the feelings wall became like just a very frank expression of what people were feeling. Some of them were great. Some of them, one said uninspired, one said like having a pretty crap week, but you know, like happy to be here, whatever, that kind of thing that I think it's great to even read someone's authentic feelings anonymously and be like, yeah, thank you for like telling me what you really feel instead of just this like, yeah, absolutely. And we're all great. All us humans have this issue where I think we all think we're just so unique that it's, you don't realize until you read these things. It's like, oh yeah, we're all going through this. Like we're all living the human experience. And Mm. it's like, if, even like that's the thing is like when you say talk about feelings it's like even i'm like oh i don't want to do that it seems like so much work but it's like it's because we just don't know how to do it or we don't do it enough and it's also like is always associated with the negative it's like if you ask me about the best thing in my life that week like usually it's going to be something that i probably still wouldn't bring up in like a limited social setting it'll be like you know, me and my partner like really reconnected and we had a great conversation and yeah. then we like, and it's like, it's a lot of the times the best parts are still like something you're not supposed to talk about. Yeah, they're private. So it's like, depending on the scenario, whether or not you're going to share that, like with Bob at the office asks you how your weekend was and you're like, man, it was fine. Yeah, exactly. And really you're like, wow, there was this really great breakthrough moment, but I'm not going to. Well, and even, even if it's something, you know, that is a little more public, there's like, this vulnerability attached to like showing too much of yourself at once when you're maybe you're like you know like i made this painting this week and i just loved it and it's like this beautiful piece of art but then like you're like hesitant to share that with because bob's a bit of an asshole and you show him a picture of it and he's like that's stupid it's like your best thing just became like shit all over yeah oversharing that's something that i i've been trying to uh reduces my life i'm a, i'm a chronic oversharer um but have you been trying to reduce that yeah yeah but but uh, i've been trying to increase that in, in, a, in a i think in a healthy way like i don't think that means that i'm like tight-lipped you know like i don't think that's possible but uh taking pause uh i'm really practicing trying to take pause before either sharing or reacting to something because i think sometimes uh like I just talk a lot, right? And sometimes it's like you fill the space with these things or when you're texting and, you know, someone doesn't answer you back right away and you just start to, to, to go into more detail that's, like, not necessary. So I've been asking myself the question of, like, what's the purpose of sharing this? Um, and if there is a true, like, a positive yeah, purpose okay. or if it's just if it's just a mindless thing. I, I think I'm just trying to be more intentional in the way that I communicate. Yeah, and, and I guess to me there's there's levels to oversharing. One is, I think, like, I'm trying to be oversharing more in that, like, I'm trying to be far more honest. I'm trying to, like, talk, like you said, peaks and valleys. Talk about the things that in my life are, like, actually going on with people. And um, things I actually really care about. Right. But I think perhaps implied in the oversharing is, like, it's almost like non-consensual sharing. It's like, hey, Jelaine, how's it going? And we're in this workplace setting. And then you tell me something and you just lay it on me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like... I don't know how to deal with that yeah. right now. Like, perhaps you should, like, you know, not just share that at this work meeting. Yeah, and that's a great point. Um, I like the idea of uh, non-consensual and consensual sharing, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, too, is that 
sometimes people can't control that and if you're in crisis and sometimes you have to share you're in crisis and Absolutely. that's fine but sometimes you do need to consider like getting back to this idea of that we're all going through this like <laughs> agonizing experience of life where we're all going through our own shit it's really important i think to take pause and 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 if you need to talk to someone about something that isn't maybe necessarily super pressing you can just ask their consent and be like hey i have some uh, heavy shit that i i need to talk to someone about like do you consent to speaking about it? And I think some people might think this is kind of floofy and whatever, but when someone says like, yeah, definitely they're, they're saying, yes, I'm here. I'm present. Whereas like, sometimes you fling that on people. And like you said, like as the person sharing you, the last thing you want to do is throw your friend into a downward spiral because they weren't prepared or they were triggered for some reason or something may have happened to them that you don't know about. You know, it's like finding the right people to share things with. Yeah, and it, and it, maybe it's just oversharing implies that, like, it was just kind of out of the blue, you know? Like, if mm. you schedule a time, it's like, that's a completely reasonable thing to do, especially for, like, any relationship in your life, whether it's, like, friendship or family. It's like, hey, like, we need to talk about something. When can you do that? And yeah. then, you know, that's that would never be called oversharing. No. <laughs> you know, that's just normal communication. Right, right, yeah. I think that they're, like making sure the person's like somewhat willing i mean sometimes people aren't willing and you gotta just yell at them yeah sometimes <laughs> there's just a slippery slope of communication where you like you've just been talking whether or not there, there may or may not be alcohol involved but then like then it's like you just you lost time for a second it's an hour later and you're still talking you're going into your like daddy issues or something <laughs> like that where it's just like and then you catch yourself in the middle of it and you're like i need to stop like what's even happening right now you know, like having that type of uh, mindfulness where like you are just conscious about like what you're sharing and why you're sharing it, you know, rather than just like letting it spew out of you because maybe you haven't uh, haven't had the proper channels to share those things with, um, which brings me to another point. Everyone should be in counseling. <laughs> um, I haven't been to a counseling appointment in a little while, but I, it's, I also think that I'm in a pretty good place and and. I think that that should be available to someone else who really needs it because as nice as it is, I love it. Like I love having this neutral third person that uh, validates and affirms your beliefs, you know, or maybe something that you don't know. But um, yeah, that was kind of just out of the blue, but I, I really truly believe that everyone <laughs> should be in counseling. <laughs> Perhaps an example of oversharing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you should be in counseling. Yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's not an insult and it's not uh uh, it's not like, you know, some people, there's a lot of stigma around, uh, people asking for help. Um, I, in the past couple of years, I've gotten really, really comfortable with asking for help and receiving help. And I think that, um, people are really challenged by that, by being vulnerable, um, by, by, uh, uh looking weak, this idea of quote unquote weak, cause I don't really believe in that, but like, wow, once you, can get over that or work through it and realize like I can't do this on my own I'm not strong enough to carry this load by myself and then whether you ask for help in a private channel with a friend or a family member or you post it on Facebook because maybe you don't have the support but there are people out there that care about you and then you actually receive the help like accept it you know like well yeah and that's, that's powerful I think like the the topic of therapy and oversharing are actually completely related and i was kind of making fun of you but it's like it makes complete sense because you have to be aware like how when you bring things up with other people because like you know it may affect them and whatnot mm. but like that 
concern is like very, very limited and not almost non-existent with a therapist because that's their job. Right. Their job is for you to overshare yeah. and like not hold anything back. And mm -hmm. like if you have this weird thought that you're like, you know, I was like really mad and I was fantasizing murdering this person. <laughs> they're like, yeah, I hear that all the time. And yeah, like, yeah. They're like completely non-judgmental because it's like. And, like, even when I say that, I think people will be like, oh, therapists are judging all the time. It's like, perhaps, but, like, you have no idea the thing your average therapist hears. It's like, to them, it's all just like, yeah, I know. And I, they'll reaffirm it and they'll be like, have these skills. And, I, and then you can go there. And I, I really love the neutral third party. Like, mm. I love it so much for mm -hmm. it's like, I can, I as a person have no filter. And I work really hard to, like, put on a filter in certain settings to, like, not cause offense or not piss mm -hmm. someone off or not just, like, be rambling and not thinking about what I'm saying. And then before I know it, someone's mad at me because it's like, well, I don't know what I'm saying half the time. <laughs> but, like, your therapist doesn't get offended at what you say, you know? Mm -hmm. They just, like, listen and then help you process it. And it's like, I love oversharing with a therapist. It's just, like, the first time I can be completely unfiltered about, like, whatever. It's like, you know? And it's like... To even, most people aren't lucky enough to have someone in their life who they can be like, I was feeling suicidal this week. Mm. And then that person can like take that on and help you with it. Like, right. you know, that's, that's a gift if you have that in your life mm -hmm. and you should cherish and work on that relationship. But the great thing about going to a therapist is like, if you're suicidal, like they're there, they're there for you. Yeah. And they deal with that all the time. Like, you know, they have an expertise that I I still don't even understand because I can't deal with it properly. Yeah, and they and they model this like you know some people don't have those people in their life that model active listening and that yeah. model like a healthy relationship, you know. And then like I feel like going to therapy has taught me some things about being a better listener and 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 just about um, how therapeutic it is to allow your friends or allow people to vent and to talk and sometimes. Um, you know, judging from your own experiences, sometimes when you say things out loud, it doesn't mean that you actually, like, it's like, you know, just your example of fantasizing about murdering of someone. Like, if you say that out loud, it doesn't mean you actually want to do it. Sometimes all someone needs is to get things off their chest and have someone who's a safe and respectful person that can just sit there and, like, learning to hold space. Holy crap, that's a huge thing. And that, well, good therapists um, should demonstrate, you know, and Maybe you never experienced that until you bring yourself to therapy and you're like, oh. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people don't. And I think I this is like one of those things in my life. And it's it's hard to like, especially if you kind of already have a relationship with the person to tell someone like, hey, I think you should go to therapy. Like it it comes off like a bit dickish, you yeah. know, and there's a lot of stigma and it also comes off like. Like, well, who are you to tell me that? And it's, right. But, like, one of the problems with that is, like, I if someone told me that, told me, like, hey, Ryland, you should go to therapy. It's like, oh, don't worry, I'm going. Yeah. Like, I go. Yeah, yeah. Like, there would be no offense to be ever taken if someone told me that. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing. Here's this gift. I want to share it with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh... I mean, and not everyone has a positive experience at therapy. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's and like... there's a lot of shitty therapists. And, yeah, you know, exactly. It's a lot of work going the first time. It's a lot of work if you have a shitty one. Finding, finding the right a new person. One. It's yeah, like getting it's... on medication, you know, like oh, like if you're taking antidepressants, you know, maybe the first three don't work and then you want to give up and then there's, oh man, so, so complex. But yeah, therapists... Um, counselors, whatever, they're humans just like anyone else. So there are bad ones out there. There are <laughs> ones that are not good at their job. Yeah, and um, even if, you know, and then there's, I, 
there's bad ones for you, you know? Right. Like, they have different styles and there's all things. And, and just like when you meet any person, sometimes you don't connect with them. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you meet a person and there's just that trust. And who God knows why that's there, you right. know? There's just these connections and it's like... Yeah, you got to shop around. Yeah, exactly. And there's so many different mediums of it, you know, online, on the phone, um, in person. But again, like point of privilege... We need to recognize that a lot of people can't afford to shop around, right? Like if you're just signing up for free therapy, which here in the North, it can take six months. I oh. mean, there are channels that can get you in sooner, but um, like I pre preemptively sign up for therapy being like, I'm probably going to need this in six months. I do yeah. kind of need it right now, but probably in six months, it's going to be the depth of winter and I'm going to need it, you know? Yeah, and the, exactly. the I mean, the amount of, like, capacity to even know to do that or, like, the amount of, you know, The people advocating. who actually need therapy often, you don't have the ability to go through all the hoops and barrels. Yeah, exactly. Ex I mean, it's so it, inaccessible. It's, especially up here, it's just bureaucratic or very expensive to get private therapy. I mean... This is, it's not, we, we've we're, gone we're off preaching on a, to the choir, yeah, 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 we both support free access <laughs> yeah. to mental health services. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> gone off on a bit of a tangent, yeah, but I think it was an important one. Side rat. Oh. So oversharing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, back to the topic of oversharing, just for the zero people who are going to listen to this, for the people who don't know... Uh, Mine and Jelaine's relationship first, I mean, like we said, like she said, we met at the Gold Range dancing. Really the best way to start a Yellowknife relationship. Yeah, um, I, I think I walked up to you and said that I liked your dance moves and I welcomed <laughs> you into the big circle because you were kind of just off to the side and then... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was like, had no friends and was just up here <laughs> dancing at the Gold Range alone, which is totally something I would yeah, do yeah. still to this day. It's so metaphorical too, of just like opening the circle and welcoming you in yeah. and then now you are a part of it, you're in it. No, I'm, and I've done that to many people since. Good, you know, I you find people, I'm like, oh, I like your dance moves, get <laughs> yeah. over here. Um, yeah, and then following that, like, we were, I mean, essentially best friends, like, and, and whatever that word means right, to people yeah. for a long period. And then even more so to that, um, I started dating Jesse Olsen, mm -hmm. and then you started dating Jake Olsen. So I started jaking, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we're in this, like, weird situation where, like, we're best friends dating siblings. Yeah. And, like, all of us just hanging out all the time, which, like, adds this whole other level of intensity. Okay, wait, wait, let's time out on this. I want to rewind um, back to when we first became friends. I think something that kind of forged this idea of us hanging out all the time was that... Um, something that we we learned and you learn in in the north is that to survive the winters we are surrounded by such warm people but you need to have dinner parties you need to get your friends together and so you started hosting you and maxence started hosting these dinner parties we would have them almost i think we would have them weekly every thursday because it was almost the weekend we all get wine drunk and we'd have these amazing dinner parties and it really like that season of friends it really forged us and since then people have come people have gone but like we had some really amazing parties in that house and oh, and so just, just making up reasons to get together of like literally group chat rylan will just put it on there like you know who wants to come over and come over and drink wine or who wants to come over and and you know cook dinner and then it turns into something which kind of is what this was oh and it's just so simply human like the way to survive a cold winter is to like light a wood stove and eat food yeah. like you know it's so simple gather together so break bread you know? Yeah, exactly. Like the amount of, you know, metaphor there is just, it's, 
It's everywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Any mm-hmm. anyone who's out there and listening and <laughs> maybe struggling, like. Um, my big thing right now, and especially in the winter, I, you know, try not to drink too much. Sometimes it's hard, you know, you just want to get together and have a beer. We're drinking tea right now, which is really awesome. Um, I've been trying to minimize my, my weekday drinking, um, but to, uh, you know, invite someone over for tea and then like, as a thing, like I've been really trying to focus on one-on-ones and my way to do that is say, come over and let's make a meal together or I'll come to you and we'll make a meal together as opposed to like, let's go spend, you know, 30, 40 bucks each going to wherever, having a beer or whatever and eating out in a much less intimate setting. Whereas come in, let's chop some food together and let's get down to brass tacks. Like, let me actually hear about how you've been doing the last year, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just like one of those hilarious things I was talking about before. I like, we import these like weird high school things where it's like, you know, it's like I'm 28 years old and I'm an adult. I don't want to go drinking on that weekend. Mm, like, mm-hmm. drinking is not the activity. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like, I'll, sure, I'll have some drinks, but, like, I don't want the main point of my night just to be, like, aggressively getting drunk, you know? Yeah. And it's like... It comes back to being intentional, <laughs> right? Like, having intention with everything you do, what is the purpose? Is the purpose simply just to get drunk? Like, let's change it up a bit. Like... Let's go build a Quincy and then get drunk at the Quincy. Yeah, exactly. like, reward ourselves with it, you know? Like, let's do something active. Let's move our bodies. Let's whatever. Um, and then potentially include whatever substance of your choice. Amen. <laughs> but I do love this. Like, I think that, um, you know, I'm entering into this stage of, like, getting past that. Of, like, you know... maybe potentially challenging myself to not drink one of the two nights of the weekend, you know, change it up, you know, or, or, or stay in, um, which has been a challenge because like I'm a pretty extreme or I, at least I used to be a really extreme extrovert. I've kind of dialed it down in the years. Um, but to, yeah, challenge ourselves socially with those things. I I think it's great. Yeah. Well, I, and, and it's, it's funny coming from you because it's like, you're a professional party planner, basically, you know, <laughs> and then to be like, yeah, I got to like step back. But it, it, it actually goes completely hand in hand in that, like, if you've spent so much time intentionally planning events and mm. like curating space and like trying to get a vibe down to like the decorations, the music, like the poster, the like promotion, like all of that is about curating space. And the idea that those aren't like some sort of transferable skill to like, having one friend over or having 10 people over or like being like, Hey, what exactly do I want? Do I want to just have four friends over and we play cards and we bullshit or like, do I want to cook dinner one-on-one with this friend I haven't caught up with in a long time. Mm -hmm. And like, as soon as I think you've planned enough events, your brain just does that automatically. It thinks like, what is the end goal? Yeah. You know, but most people don't do that. Or a lot of people just go around living their lives Mm -hmm. without like really thinking about that, you know? Yeah. It's been a bit of a journey with that. Um, taking everything on, you know, as a, as a young early twenties person, I am entering into the scene and being really excited and seeing that you could make an impact and then like watching that impact happen and seeing how it affects people and then be like, yes, yeah, everything you wanted to, you're being like a yes man or yes woman or yes person. And then having, um, friends a little bit older, just like warn you and be like, Listen, kid, I'm watching you from the outside and you're burning the candle at both ends and both ends and you got to slow down and being in it completely in it and just be like, no, this is great. I love it. And like every new face is a potential friend and just like constantly wanting to create this community that, yeah, eventually you hit the wall and I hit the wall for sure. And now I have such value for like 
before I was giving away my time, like nobody's business, the top of a building throwing buckets of my time off this building. But now it's like, I have a real appreciation for my own company and for like, yeah, those quality, quality over quantity now. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, I can see a bunch of my friends all at once, invite them to my place or at this party. And I check all those boxes where it's like, no, that's super shallow um, baseline interactions. Whereas now it's like, no, I'm going to make time for one or two friends at a time to like actually show that I'm, you know, interested in maintaining this friendship and I want to know about their lives. And yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think I've adopted that same philosophy without even really thinking about it in, in that, like when we first met, part of the reason we were hanging out so much is that like, I actually like had a philosophy. I, I saw it in some movie or something of being like, saying yes to everything just like if someone asks you to do something that's an opportunity yeah it's an opportunity to experience something unique and usually it's like it's their thing so i just would always say yes and like you were always going to events and i'm just like yes why would i not yeah you literally that? said yes to everything <laughs> i asked you to do so i knew about all the things that were happening in town and i knew that you would come with me to all of them so it was just a perfect combination yeah and then when you have that philosophy of like being always willing to say yes and not deny yourself new experiences combined with like fomo of like when you do say know you're like oh what's going on there what's going on yeah it's like it's virtually impossible to be like curate like oh maybe i need to like take friday night off for myself and like you know just stay home cook a meal read a book and like reflect you know you have to like and so I, it's just like everything else in life it's kind of a balance like i fully still advocate for people to like always be pushing your boundaries and be willing to say yes to events that and like outside of your comfort zone and but when you're kind of extreme extroverts like me and you who are just like i there's been periods in my life where like the only time i'm really alone is like asleep like i just have mm -hmm. so much socialization going on or like even if it's just like on facebook or texting that it's like to like get an hour of my day where it's just like oh there's like no one around me i'm just gonna like enjoy my space and meditate or just mm -hmm. even just be alone in my head for a bit mm -hmm. it's like I'd probably gone years without doing that. Right. Which probably was, you know, led to some craziness, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's, uh, it's something you have to learn from experience, right? Because, again, now we got a couple years on us and I could look back at my 22-year-old self and tell her, like, listen, you need to slow down. <laughs> and that 22-year-old self is going to say, up yours. And, yeah, like, exactly. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. But it, it's such a, oh, man, when you get there, it's such a valuable lesson to... Um, yeah, take advantage of your own time and to just, just, yeah, take it easy, slow down. I'm actually reading a book right now that's all about slowing down. And, uh, is it the, the art of, what is it called? Uh, oh, there's a book called In Praise of Slow, which I mm, read. But. I honestly, I, <laughs> I'm reading it really slowly and I don't, even, <laughs> I, don't I just know it's a slow on the front and then there's some, it's something about a, a worldwide movement something something I'm pretty sure I don't know. I, I'm gonna guess that the book is called in praise of slow or something sure, I've sure. read it it's a great book yeah yeah it's I'm really probably on page 30 like and I'm, <laughs> I think I've been reading it for over a year like 
been chipping away at it, but uh, it is a good reminder, you know, for people like you and I who are always in overdrive. And, and I think that that's also a coping mechanism, you know, like people are extroverts for a reason. And a lot of the time you like I come from a big family, so I'm used to uh, go, go, go. And I'm used to chaos and people around. And it what? took me time to realize that, like, there's actually a fear of being alone. You know, there's this fear of that noise in your head. And all of a sudden you're by yourself and you're like, oh, I'm not ready to be confronted by my shit. You know? Well, and I imagine having 12 siblings growing up that, like, being alone wasn't really even an option. Like, no. you know, I <laughs> no, it really wasn't. <laughs> like, where's your alone time? You know, yeah. you, get a, you get 10 minutes in the bathroom, hopefully. Yeah, you have to. You, <laughs> and so you really have to teach yourself like I have had to teach myself to value my alone time and it's it's taken time to like to change your perspective of like this isn't loneliness you know like just because there's someone not around you like doesn't mean that it's a bad thing or that you're uh whatever but now it's like oh yeah this is my and now I have to schedule the alone time because I have such a busy schedule that it's like no Fridays after work, I go do hips and spine yoga, you know, like, and that's not necessarily alone time, but that's like a me time or like, you know, there's going to be this one day a week after work that I'm not going to schedule anything. And I'm just going to like lay in bed and watch Netflix or something like that. Or I'm going to do a little like smudging ritual where I'm going to, you know, smudge and clear my energy and then and go have a bath and read a book, you know, reading yeah, yeah. books now <laughs> in this te technology <laughs> ages, like, like, like you were saying, we're like, we're just constantly socializing with people, even if it's just on your phone to, uh, I've been trying to challenge myself to like turn off technology at 9 PM or like put your, go into the bath and not bring your laptop and not bring your phone. And actually like, I know <clears throat> a lot of people probably do this and it's not a big deal, but like for our generation, it, it is a big deal. I to turn off because we are so used to multitasking and our poor brains are on like overdrive all the time. I'm like actually <clears throat> embarrassed and like it's an issue <clears throat> with me of how much I struggle to read books in that like I was a childhood reader and I crushed mm. books and in high school I read way more than I did now. Like and like obviously I went to law school and I, I would read hours a day of like homework. And at my job, I read all the time. And I even like I'm a bit of a news junkie. So I'll read like 20 news articles. But like there is just I've gotten to this point where my brain's racing that like picking up a 400 page book is just so intimidating to me. Mm -hmm. And being like, this is going to be two hours of sitting still is like, it's, it's embarrassing that I've yeah. somehow lost that. And mm -hmm. I think part of it is just like, like years of being too extroverted or too social or I'm always just like well attention span too and, yeah, right it's like, like I've, I've killed my attention span somehow right? I mean <laughs> and the only way to get it back is to slowly start rebuilding it right and like maybe it is that end of the night you're like I'm gonna put my I'm like and you can get apps for that you can get apps that are like lock <laughs> down this phone for 40 minutes and like don't even let it light up you know and then that that will challenge you to actually I mean you might open your laptop whatever but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's it always like, a back door. Yeah, just just pick up a book. It's uh it's a wonder it's what that'll do for, <laughs> you, for your mental health mm. and like delete some of your apps, you know. Stop stop paying attention to what everyone else is doing all the time. Man, that's that's a great a great thing. Yeah, that's a big one for me and it, it especially like my interactions on social media. Like I it's funny how like I'll go on social media. You're a sucker for punishment oh, on social media. Oh, I know. Media. And it's like, it, it's weird because even the like, the 
portrayal of myself on social media is kind of like a shit poster, kind of like a person who's like trolling yeah, and doesn't you're like give a, troll. a fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like a, a character I've curated, probably like, you know, somewhat as I, I inventing and I kind of enjoy it. But the weird part about it is like I, on a fundamental level, I don't enjoy it. Like I <laughs> look like at my phone and I'm like refreshing it. and I'm anxious and then I get stressed and I'm yeah. like, oh, I can't believe that person's so mad at me. And yeah. it's like, why you am I doing this, this thing that I yeah. did to myself? It's and so... you can't stop it either. Oh, it just it's keeps like on coming addicted. out of you. I know. And then someone else comments and then I like, I like in reality, I should never have said it in the first place mm. or I should like be my honest self, which would be a little more empathetic in this situation. But then it's like there's something about the like way I view those that interaction and the way social media is. It's like being a troll is always my go-to. I like I can't avoid it. I'm like, damn it, I just did it again. And then I'm up all night, and it's yeah. so ridiculous. Like well, I should just read a book. Yeah, I liked. Uh, so you just mentioned your honest self, which is more empathetical. So let's get into that. What's that all about? Why why do you why do you feel the need to present this non-empathetic front? And where's your journey at in trying to reconnect with this empathetic, honest self? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. I don't know why, like I, you know, I don't know why it's happened. I think probably like it'd be so complex to figure out why it's happened. And like, the, just like, I'm very self-aware that like my first presentation to a lot of people and a lot of interactions is like somewhat of an asshole, very abrasive, like mm -hmm. somewhat like willing to say things that will piss people off purely because it'll piss them off. Um, and I, I think maybe it, like, it probably goes back to like really long time, like childhood. I was just like a, such a sh little shit. And it's like, for some reason I've kept that and it's obviously comes out in different ways, but then there's this weird issue with doing that all the time is that it actually like hurts me. And I like, I don't like, I actually get really stressed out when I hurt someone's feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think perhaps this is, maybe it's just more human than I think it is and that it's actually probably, like, you know, they always say, like, the kid who's bullying someone actually has a lot of issues and it's just, like, a weird path. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah, exactly. But mine's, like, it's come out in ways that are, like, it's not, like, bullying. It's just, like, trolling. Like, it's, yeah. I've adapted that as, like, an acceptable means of communication all the time. I don't really know why. I, I still kind of, like, I struggle with it on, like, I kind of enjoy it, but is I like I'm saying... Is trolling, like, gaslighting? No, it's not. That's something I mean, different. Yeah, gaslighting, I think, has like a... denying someone's experience. Kind yeah, of, gaslighting, right? I think, has, like, a very specific connotation to, like, in a romantic relationship. Where no, it... not necessarily. It could be any kind of relationship if you're yeah, gaslighting, perhaps. right? Like, but your parents like, could gaslight you. Yeah, what, what gaslighting comes from is, like... It's essentially like making that person disbelieve in their own right. experience. Different thing. Trying to like make them feel kind of crazy and being yeah. like, you know, you'll like tell them like, you'll say something and then be like, I never said yeah, that. Yeah, it's and all in be, your head. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, that's like a completely different shitty type of behavior. Yeah, that, you know. back to it. Trolling. <laughs> Trolling. Trolling is like, you... For me, it's like me stepping out of a version of myself who I consider my true self, which would spend like be very empathetic and being like, I'm going to say whatever for like effect, you know, like I'm not considering my feelings or the other person's feelings. I'm just saying it either because I think it's comedic or I just 
think it's like gonna get a reaction you know it's mm -hmm. like it's trolling as in like you're trolling for fish and being a grumpy troll it's like you're trying to get a reaction yes. and your goal is the reaction the problem is is that like your actions have consequences and then you have to deal with it after which is like a lot of the times i think people right. just wish they could troll in a vacuum like i think yeah. there's something there's something normal to that kind of desire to want to just like Sometimes someone's saying something and they're taking it too seriously and it's like you just want to take the piss out of them because yeah. it's like... But the problem is, is when someone like is taking something seriously, it's because they really care about it and it's yeah. like yeah. they're sharing it and like they don't want the response of like, this oh, is, your art is stupid. Like, why would you this do is this? Bob, this is back to Bob at the office. Yeah, exactly. You become that shitty person that you don't like. <laughs> so what do you think's holding you back between becoming your true self? I mean, so this is, like, a weird thing because it's, like, it's, like, I think inevitably I get there in, like, mo the vast majority of my relationships. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, like, my relationship with you and my relationship with my partners. Like, over time, you just get to know someone so well that, like, even if you're still doing that, perhaps they're just, like, a little more aware of it or, like... Perhaps they just don't give you the reaction anymore is mm. probably most likely. Mm. And then you just stop. Mm -hmm. um, but like why you would put up that initial barrier and like make every person you interact with like have to overcome the f outward portrayal of you just being an asshole is a very interesting question that I, I think about a lot. I don't really know why. You just don't have got the answer to it. No, no. I don't. I mean, I... And, and even when I'm like, yeah, I should, probably shouldn't do that, I still kind of think, well, like, ah, fuck it, you know? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know. It's interesting, though. Hmm. I mean, there, there is, there's also this, like, line that I think perhaps I, like, am a little, as much as I say I'm self-aware, I'm not exactly as self-aware when I'm doing it where the line is. Like, sometimes it's just, like, me not knowing how much I'm hurting someone's feelings or pissing them off in that, like, there is kind of, I think it, there is a good route to, like, a person getting a good relationship with a person, which involves a lot of teasing, like, you know? There's there's people we it find can, endearing it in our life. It can involve a lot of teasing. That is one way to do it. Yeah, like... But also go, getting back to this, like, well, I'm not my high school self. I feel like that is a piece that is still resonating within you from your high school self. And I, I think there is some teasing that is sometimes involved, but... Something that I realized that like in coming back and making new friends and then like assessing my old friendships, one of the things that I had to do was teach my friends, my old friends, that I was not going to accept the, the high school treatment that I used to get. Yeah. And like the way that they would like, some of them would like make fun of me for certain things. I have to be like, no, I actually really don't like it when you do that. And it hurts my feelings. And I remember the first time that I did that, that, that person was just like, uh, just oh, doesn't even know how to deal. Like, with it. Yeah. whoa, we're having an honest conversation because when you're in high school, you're very rarely having an honest kind con of conversation. And it's all just like taking the piss out of each other. Yeah, and that... I Which mean, is, like, bad for your mental health. And yeah, that would, like, completely summarize both, like, my relationship with my family and, like, my high school self. And I think I actually have some nostalgia for that, though. Like, I go home to my, like, Summerland friends and it's just, like, all we're doing is just brutally making fun of each other. And, like, I probably haven't said something nice to, like, my brother in years. I just make fun of him and he's the same way. And it's... But, like those are different because that relationship has this foundation where it's just like understood and goes without speaking that we love each other. Sure. And, you know, like 
we can just be assholes to each other all day and there's like no real offense ever taken because we know that. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes, but it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, the way you behave in relationships should somewhat change. And perhaps I don't do that as a human. I'm just like always that version. But it's like if I barely Mm -hmm. know you or if that foundation that like, no matter what happens, like we've still like family, we still have to love each other and we do isn't there. It doesn't make sense to live an entire relationship just constantly attacking the person. No, no, that's not conducive to like a (laughs) long, happy life. And I think like we should challenge ourselves to strive for more and like as, and it's uncomfortable because the person that you're in that relationship with might be very taken off guard and might be resistant to it. But like, it's, it's really important that we say nice things to the people that we love and we don't just like say shitty things and like under the guise of it being a joke, you know, like I get it and all that. I, I I don't know. I personally, I think all that kind of, that like back and forth is kind of bullshit. It's masking the inability to not feel comfortable sharing your feelings, getting back to talking about your feelings. Whereas I think that we need to, especially with our families, get more comfortable with being vulnerable and, and saying, I love you, and and these are all the great things I love about you, as opposed to being like, ah, you're shitty, and this and that. But I, I get the merit in, in the teasing, and I, I definitely have some level of that with my siblings, but, like, on the other hand... Um... Yeah, well, and it's funny, because, like, what you just said there is something, like, in new kind of intimate relationships, I absolutely practice. Like, I, like, I will have a, an implement of practice with my partner where it's like every once in a while we name five things we like about that person and like we say like we have like scheduled time for conflict like hey this is what I'm feeling and like this is why I think you should this like upset me here's how I feel about it like time to vent but like the idea of what I I absolutely would do in every relationship intimate I'm in and like think it's fundamental to a relationship to have that communication and that affirmation doesn't apply. I would never bring into my family like and I never would bring that into like a sure. lot of my high school friends like it just the idea of even doing it like I'm just like oh it's like it's so hard to me to think about it it's just a different paradigm yeah and that's fair and we all have different relationships with different people but um, I do challenge you to start to to squeeze in some of that good stuff, you well, know, no. like take them by surprise. <laughs> yeah. and that'll really shock them, you know? Yeah. And I've been trying to do that. Like, it's funny, like, because I think I've learned a lot of lessons being in a lot of relationships that went really shitty. Like towards the end, you're just bickering all the time and you're fighting and you're at each other's throats. And it's it's purely because of communication like even if you still love the person and there's a spark there it's like you did not develop the proper communication tools and then it's just so shitty that you're there Mm -hmm. and since i've like learned so much in intimate relationships i've like now fully took all those lessons and bring them into new relationships like uncompromisingly like i will have that but like I have not taken any of those tools and brought them into family and really am just starting to bring them into like friendships where Mm -hmm. my path for friendships has still largely been like, just like, no, I'm not going to ever talk to you about feelings. I'll make fun of you. And hopefully it's understood that there's this foundation, you know, but it's weird that I'm like, like, I, it makes sense here. (laughs) I'm not quite willing to bring it over anywhere else. You're rigid. You're rigid. Rylan slow growth Johnson. Yeah, exactly. You know, but whatever. Well, I mean, I do recognize some positive change in you since, like, uh, you know, the past, we've kind of, 
we, you know, you mentioned it before, we were dating a pair of siblings and that was an interesting dynamic. And I actually loved it. Like I thought it was, it was really, it was just fun. It was a that fun was dynamic. I loved going um, to family dinners together. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> shout out to their parents because I miss them <laughs> in family dinners. Um, but uh, it's funny because like we all kind of got together around the same time. We all kind of broke up around the same time. And like we all like love each other as humans still. And 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 I've seen some serious growth in each and every one of us in the last six months because like it's out of heartbreak and heartache that like you have the opportunity to um, do some really immense growing and so props to you on on some of well, the significant yeah, growth in your life it's absolutely hilarious how much we're all in the same boat pun, <laughs> pun intended um like because like you have these relationships that are so difficult and the problems like you know when you're in the relationship you always want to blame your partner you're like you're putting all the blame on them and then you get out and it's like we well, can't blame the partner anymore and no. then all the things they were blaming you for like they become solidified the problems become so apparent the things you need to work on and the things you need to work on, like, in entering a further relationship to not let them become a problem, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you're in the relationship and it's really, it's so much harder to do that. And then so it's funny that, like, the four of us have all exited these relationships with, like, a new self-awareness of, like, all of the things we were doing. Mm -hmm. And, like, since worked on them and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, and it, I think it just goes to show that, like, different people come into your lives at different times for different purposes and then exit your lives at the same time. And maybe not exit your lives, but in, in whatever context you were in. And uh, you have the choice of whether or not to learn from those experiences. And then yeah, take yeah. Them. you can choose <laughs> not to learn. And, and if you don't learn from challenging experiences, and I don't want to say these relationships were all challenging. All relationships are challenging. Yeah, relationships, relationships are really fucking hard. Dating the Wilsons is probably one of the best things that ever <laughs> happened to us, realistically. Yeah. Like, it's a good chunk of time that we spent. But uh, <laughs> it's funny that we can refer to it like that. But, uh, but like, yeah, you, you can choose how that's going to affect your life. And now it's like, I feel like the next people that are going to be our partners in, in the years to come, like they're lucky. And <laughs> like, it's just like, we have to thank the people that uh, put up with us beforehand because like, yeah, the, they are put in our lives to, to deal with us in different states and help us along in like certain things that maybe we don't have awareness about, uh, they bring awareness to it by calling us on our shit or we bring awareness to them on calling them on their shit, you know? And, and like you said, sometimes you will not admit to that shit until you exit the relationship yeah, exactly. and you're still left with that shit. And you're like, Oh, well now I got all this shit that I got to deal with. And, uh, you either choose to bury it and the universe will give you the same lesson over and over or you deal with it and you know, you level up. Yeah. And I think I, that's completely the thing is I think the key is to like, you know, it's not harp on yourself or other people for, like, some of their, you know, things they need to work on. It's to harp on yourself and them for when they don't work on them. It's like, how many times do you have to learn this lesson before you actually learn it? Or, like, how many times does the universe have to throw this at you mm -hmm. before you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll spend some time on myself and deal with it. Like, well, you know? yeah, we got to pay attention, <laughs> right? Like, it's again, goes back to being living intentionally pay attention to the things that are happening to you. And if you, yeah. and, and try to try to think if there's a pattern and if this has happened before, and if it has, that means that usually the commonality is you and you got to work on some shit instead of like us projecting shit onto people on, on, in our lives, whether it be your partners or your siblings or your parents or the people at work, like 
blaming people for your own shit. No, man. Like, it all comes down to who we are. And, and, and maybe it's a matter of, like, there might not be anything wrong with you, but you might be willing yourself to be in a relationship that's just not working, you know? Yeah. And the only thing you have in common is that you love each other, but everything else isn't working. So having the bravery to see things for what they are and then um, make a decision that's going to benefit Well, yeah, and involved. there's clearly just, like, some people, and we're all those people sometimes, but there's people who are just, like, so blind. It's like, you know, the, the person who's in the same relationship 10 times over and there's always people smashing dishes and yelling and they're always blaming. They're like, my girlfriend's always cheating on me. And it's like, you've been in this relationship 10 times and you're still not like cluing in. And everyone who knows you knows how you are. They're like, oh yeah, that guy's just in relationships like that. It's like, clearly the onus is on you at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I think, yeah, relationships are definitely a gift What in whatever form they take, whether it be platonic or familial or um, romantic or sexual we we're all learning from each other and everything I mean I don't want to come off as like overly optimistic as like but like I, I do like to think of things as lessons and blessings you know as like um, but there are sh there's shit that happens that's really tragic and really senseless and um, you know some people don't want to look at them as lessons and blessings and that's totally valid because um, you know, we are all entitled to the way that we deal with uh, tragedy and loss and well, grief and whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, but that has to be separated from relationships. Obviously, events happen to people and in your life that you have absolutely no fault in, or, you know, and it's just the universe is an asshole sometimes. But like, mm -hmm. by definition, a relationship, like, it's a two-way street, you know, and mm -hmm. so if you're like talking about a relationship as as if everything bad that happened i guess anyways <laughs> ah, i don't know it's not clear that's all i have to say about that uh, yeah no because i was just thinking like clearly people do get stuck in like abusive relationships yeah it's yeah like, you know oh so. yeah i mean it's it's much more complex than we're making it out to be here folks <laughs> um yeah Okay, I think on that note, we might end the first episode of the HMS uh, Live from HMS Scandamaniac on the sh shores of Great Slave Lake. Uh, Jelaine Debogorski says, it's much more complex than we're making it out here, folks. <laughs> if you could uh, ring us the ship's bell and we'll call her a night. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Yellowknife. I feel a little bit...